Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Convo to begin this week. Uh, this morning the theme focuses on relationships. It is Valentine's week and several years ago a campus wellness and health committee uh, defined a schedule of themes to cover throughout the year uh, as part of uh, conversation campus-wide. This morning Jennifer Beer, better known as Jenny, I think that's her preference, uh, is going to be speaking to us uh, on the theme of relationships. Jenny joined Goshen College in January as our Director of Counseling Services. Uh, a bit of background, she was a biology major at IU. Uh, I will not say how many years ago. She can disclose that if she wishes. Uh, she has a Master's in Mental Health Counseling from Bethel College in Mishawaka and is a licensed um, therapist, mental health, and addictions counselor uh, who has served with Madison Center Oaklawn and has worked independently here in Elkhart County. On a personal note, she's married with three kids, five, six, and 13. She and her husband are both from Elkhart County, our Concord uh, High School graduates. Uh, she grew up on a farm, loves all sorts of creatures, uh, including a dog now, I think. I don't think you have anything else in the house, right? Just a dog, okay. They enjoy bike riding, camping, attend River Oaks Community Church where she sings as a member of the worship team, uh, and enjoys several uh, Discovery and Travel Channel shows, including Cake Boss, Man vs. Food, and Pawn Stars. For those of us who like Duck Dynasty, we'll have to convince her that that ought to be on her repertoire as well. That said, Jenny, thank you. We're going to turn it over to you. I'm going to ask that you uh, honor the no electronic devices, uh, respectfully if you would, and uh, we'll let Jenny run with it from here. Thanks for coming. Good morning. Hey, that was, that was a little weak, but it is great to be here. I'm excited to have this opportunity to share. Um, as Bill said, I started January 7th, so this is uh, very exciting for me this morning and also a little on the scary side, but you look like a very friendly bunch, so I'm excited to get to share with you. Um, this morning we're going to be talking about relationships and um, oh, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago there was an open mic night and Haley Brooks shared a poem um, that night that captured the attention of Heather Gortson. And um, so she suggested that maybe that would go with the theme. Well, Haley passed a poem on that she wanted to share this morning and I loved it. And so I've asked her if she would come and start us off this morning by sharing it with you. I'm Haley, I'm a sophomore English writing major. So, um, this is untitled. She is a bark away from madness, a nomad child of the dark. We were of the same tree, branches escaping from the trunk and abundant mess of life. It must have been 15 years of cutting every cell between home and growth for gravity to exert that much pressure on her. She is a runaway, a departure, a flailing of bones. She could have defied gravity, been an homage to the sky, a reckless organ of flowering. She could have touched ground with her limbs instead of flinging her whole body to it. Earth and I have been conversing about what it is that let her go so quickly. An evasion of self, how romantic consuming your body appears, the thick muscles of boys whose livers are oceans, 
Was I too stationary, a branch too far away to keep her from falling? She is a boneless frame, a howl from stepping too far, a vacancy, a fatigued, weary being. I was not enough to save her. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I don't know if you caught all the themes, but one thing especially that I loved about her writing was that it asked the very difficult question when we talk about relationships, especially when um, helping people who we love, how much is enough and how much is too much? Um, so we're gonna be asking that question today. And the second piece to that was, that our relationships are incredibly powerful. What we're talking about this morning isn't a fluff topic. Our relationships have the power to break other people and our relationships have the power to heal. And so I want us to keep that in mind this morning that what we're talking about has tremendous power to affect other people's lives and other people affect ours. Um, okay. So let's get started. Um, you look at my PowerPoint, and it's really hard to see because it's kind of dark, but that's actually a little macaque baby monkey. I don't know if they're monkeys, but he's a macaque. And um, it's interesting. I like um, unexpected animal friend photos because these two became friends at an animal preserve when he was separated from his mother. And for two months, they slept together every night, and they seem like an unexpected um, pairing, and then this was an elephant who got separated from his mother and was raised by this lamb, which was an also unexpected pairing. Um, and they stayed together on the preserve and were thick as thieves. So, why I love, um, aside from just loving animals, um, unexpected animal relationship photos is because I feel like this morning they exemplify to us that relationships are very unpredictable. They're difficult to define. They don't make sense. We sit around with other people. People sit and talk with me, talking, 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 trying to make sense of our relationships and make sense of other people. They change quickly, sometimes seeming for no reason at all. I think that makes our topic really interesting this morning. And I think, at least for me, part of why I find sociology, psychology, anthropology, those fields so interesting is because as hard as we try to predict compatibility and to predict human behavior, there is so much about relationships we just don't understand. I keep forgetting that it won't change without me. Okay. Um, what I tried to do when working on this morning's talk was to come up with a direction that could be applicable to so many different people. So when we're talking about relationships, I wanted people of different genders, different cultures, different backgrounds and religions to all be able to take something away. So what we're gonna be talking today are about foundational principles in relationships that I believe apply across the board to everyone. My hope is that everyone here will be able to take something away from today. Okay. Okay, so when we talk about relationships, here's my, my very basic equation for you. Um, you and anyone else is a relationship. Anyone, anyone at all. So this isn't just for people dating. This isn't, um, this, this, uh, this isn't just for anyone in particular. This is for everyone in this room. You all have an anyone else, if, if anything, you're sitting next to someone else. So 
this morning, we're going to be focusing on the only part in this equation that any of you can do anything about. We're going to focus on you. Okay, so, so uh, you know what? Let's, let's see what's next. Oh, well, I'm going to back up. Hold on. Um, sometimes we have um, conceptions about relationships like that they're meant to be really hard. Um, my belief is that when we practice these principles we're going to talk about, that relationships don't have to be so difficult. There is something to be said, though, that we can do everything right. We can love well. We can care for other people. And it still doesn't go well for us. And there is another person in this equation that we have absolutely no control over. But I do think when we work on ourselves that our relationships can go more smoothly. Okay, we're gonna take a quick look at just some, some ideas about relationships that are in pop culture. I had a very interesting lunch with George Costanza. Okay, so um, so that's an example of a, a common a common perception of relationships as um, being prisons. They're going to tie you down. They're going to hold you back. Um, okay, where where did it go? Okay. Well, there would be a slide, yeah. Uh, okay, I want you to look at the slide, and I want you to read through it, and, and I, I just looked through um, magazines that are popular right now. I looked through uh, popular movies, music, and just wrote a list of definitions of love right now that um, are put out there for us in our culture. And I want you to read through it, and I want you to notice um, any inconsistencies I want you to notice um, things about it that you think are appealing, things that you might think are true, things that you don't think are true, and, and just to consider maybe if you've ever seen those put out there in movies that you've watched or music that you listen to as kind of a definition of what love is. Um, the, the one about love being hard work and counseling, I hear about a lot because people will be really struggling in their relationships and they'll come in and they'll say, well, it's supposed to be hard, right? I mean, isn't it supposed to be work? And I think about that a lot because even my husband and I will say, yeah, yeah, you know, marriage is work. And then we're like, I don't know, we're having a good time, you know, what does work mean exactly? Yeah, we have to be selfish, selfless, <laughs> you know, I have to be selfish. We have to be selfless, you know, sometimes we're selfish, but yeah, that involves work and make sacrifices that we aren't always eager to make. So yeah, that involves work. But relationships, personally, I don't think that they should be a place where we're ending up with headaches and sick to our stomach and not wanting to eat or eating too much. I think those are all signs that maybe the work that we're talking about in a relationship isn't healthy and is telling us something's wrong. Um, okay, so here's a contrast. This is the 1 Corinthians 13 passage of love. And I want you to, again, just read through that and look at that and notice how how different that is, but also notice if there are any similarities to the, um, the last slide that we had up there. Um, I'm only going to touch on, on two points from this passage this morning. Um, I love 
that the very first word that's listed in this, in this passage is, love is patient. I think patience is the relationship underdog that we don't hear enough about. Patient. I mean, I don't even know how many of us could define it. We know what it feels like to be impatient. We definitely know what it feels like to have people be impatient with us. Um, for me, you know, I, I have three kids. My littlest, my sons are 18 months apart. They're five and six. And daily, and even now, I'll tell you the number one thing that I pray for every day as a wife, as a mom, as a counselor is, God, please help me to be a patient person. Please help me to just be with people. I think patience makes a tremendous difference in how we treat other people and how we treat ourselves. It can manifest itself in different ways. Uh, I don't know if you've ever felt impatient with yourself because you're trying to learn something and it's just not coming fast enough, or impatient with yourself because you're trying to maybe break a habit and you keep falling into the same habits and doing the same things over and over again. Um, I, the reason I wanted to start with patience this morning was to preface everything with saying we are all works in progress, none of us have arrived, and we're all going to make mistakes. So if we talk about something this morning that makes you feel uncomfortable and you go, oh, I've done that, then I want you to, to receive it in an atmosphere of patience with yourself that we're all growing. Um, the other thing about that is I, I think patience is one of those annoying skills that can only be developed through practice, which means we have to be in inpatient situations and then learn how to relax ourselves and go through it. So if you want to develop patience in your life, it means you're going to have to put yourself in situations where, where you're feeling impatient so that you can grow that. And life presents plenty of those opportunities for us. The second piece I want to talk about from this is um, forgiveness. And a few weeks ago, at the Martin Luther King um, convo, Dr. Smith did a beautiful job. I don't, how many of you were here just for, for that? Did you hear him? I, okay, I, then you know what I'm talking about. He did a beautiful job of talking about forgiving others. So this morning, we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves. Um, I think that when it comes to forgiving other people, it can almost feel kind of noble to do it and to let go and to forgive them. But there's something about forgiving ourselves when we make a mistake that we can feel kind of guilty about that, like we don't think that we deserve it, like it's letting ourselves off easy. We can feel like we deserve to be punished for doing something wrong. Um, my personal view would say is past, punishing ourselves for past mistakes is wasteful. So sit there and think about anything that you've done wrong that you like to think about in your mind and go back to how you would change and what you would do differently and think about it. And then I want you to think, can you fix it? Can any of you go back in time and fix it? It's done. That's it. It's done. So punishing ourselves for the past is wasted energy because there's nothing we can do about it. Our minds keep us trapped, locked, in a state of thinking that we're powerless over. So when we forgive ourselves, we recognize that what we did was wrong, then we let go of the feeling the need to punish ourselves, and then, in a state of gratitude, our remorse pushes us forward to do what's right and to make changes.
Um, if you got anything from that, what I'd want you to hear is gratitude is remorse, free from shame, channeled into positive action. Forgiving ourselves is never licensed to go forward and keep doing the same thing over again. It's recognizing, I don't want to do that again. I want to be something different. We aren't defined by our past selves. Our past is a mile marker that shows us where we've come from and how far we've come. It's our teacher that we learn from. It's part of what's made you who you are today, but it's not who you are. It's a piece of a much bigger picture. Don't let people box you in by choices that you made a long time ago. I think a really important part of forgiving ourselves is leaving the past in the past and moving forward into today and into the future. Okay, so the starting point is we're people of patience, we're people of forgiveness. Okay, so I want us to move into a practical direction. Um, you've probably heard of assertive communication before. I, I, I don't know if you take any classes that talk about it. or Who's heard of iMessages? Anyone? You've heard of iMessages? Okay. My favorite thing about iMessages is how totally absurd they sound when we do them in training. So it's like, I don't like it when you step on my toes and I want you to stop it. <laughs> you know, like just really no one talks that way. Very impractical. What I think iMessages are all about is being honest, but being honest in a way that's respectful and loving. The reason why we start them with the word I is because, back to that equation, I am the only person that can speak for me and that has anything to say in this equation. So I can say, I don't want to go see that movie. I'd like us to find something we both want to watch. I can say, I don't want to go eat there. I can say, I do want to go eat here. All sentences just starting with the word I, not necessarily, hopefully, sounding cheesy. So I don't think to speak assertively, we have to sound ridiculous to do it. I want you to consider being assertive means being honest in love. So we're talking about relationships where we're honest with each other instead of trying, hopefully, to have them guess what it is that we want and read our minds, dropping hints, leaving signals. I hoped you noticed that I didn't want to go or <laughs> the kinds of things that happen in our relationships because we're not being honest with each other. I put up there, passive communication is devaluing ourselves. Being passive is when we want to say something, but we don't. Or when we don't want to do something, but we do. It's devaluing ourselves because it's not sticking up for us. It's silencing us. And ourselves get really frustrated when we continue to silence us. And eventually, we see a lot of pendulum swinging in relationships. So a person who's passive only puts up with it for so long. And you know what happens after a person's been passive for a really long time? Like a volcano that erupts. And blah, it comes out all mean and ugly instead of coming out again with honesty. Um, aggressiveness devalues the other person and silences them. So what we really are talking about is being people that hear other people, but also let ourselves be heard too. That's all I'm gonna say about assertive communication this morning. Um, okay, this other piece. So what I want you to get a sense of in relationships is we're talking about a place where we're loving, we're, we're kind, we're patient, 
we're being honest, and here we have this respecting other people's boundaries. We hear a lot about boundaries. It's, it's one of those catchphrase words. I, again, I, I don't even know if we always know what we mean. Entire books have been written on it. Um, there's a great book by Townsend and Cloud called Boundaries, so you can easily look it up if you need to. Um, but here's, here's the general gist of what we're talking about, and it's pretty simple. I'm not you. You're not me. That's it. <laughs> I can't make you do anything. You can't make me do anything. Everyone in this equation is free. Boundaries is about recognizing that you have the right to be you, but I have the right to be me. So when we talk about boundaries in relationships, we're talking about first respecting the right for everyone in relationships to get to be themselves. And then secondly, we're talking about, hold on, because I, I lost it, but I'll find it in a minute. It's good. So, <laughs> you'll see. Okay. Well, maybe, oh, yeah, I found it. Okay, no, it's good. You'll see. We're talking about defining who owns the problem. Okay, so if I asked you, if you have roommates, or if you've ever had a roommate, do you feel like you need to do your roommate's laundry? I mean, would you feel guilty, like, I'm doing my laundry, I should do theirs too, you know? Probably not. Probably not. Because there's a boundary there, whether or not you know it. It's a pretty easy boundary to define. It's not my problem. It's their problem. I'm not going to worry about it. But sometimes in relationships, those boundaries can be a little fuzzy. I'm not sure. I mean, they're not happy and they're crying, and I really want to fix this for them and make them feel better. Boundaries can get difficult. And, and back to the poem that Haley graciously shared with us this morning, asking, maybe I am supposed to do more than I'm doing now. Maybe I am supposed to fix this. It can get real messy trying to figure out what our, problem is, what our problems are and what others are. There's a philosophy that they taught us in counseling that said never work harder than somebody else is working for themselves. I like that rule as a boundary that says, I'm not going to jump in and rescue you. You need to work as well. Philosophically, though, how that combines then with the idea of us being servants. What if someone is drowning, so to speak, and can't save themselves? Don't they need us to rescue them? So the, the topic of boundaries is tough. But I think on the whole, it's recognizing what's my role in this and what can I do and what's their role in this and what can they do. And I'm only going to do what I can. Kind of back to that serenity prayer thinking, you know, I'm going to change what I can, accept what I can't, and then go from there. Because we can spend a lot of energy trying to fix other people when at the end of the day, we can't do anything about it because they're them. Okay, uh, on the same topic of boundaries, um, I touched on the, you know, respecting other people have the right to be themselves. So, we talk a lot here, I'm guessing, about, you know, cross-cultural understanding and um, accepting other people's differences. And I think on the big scale, that's kind of easier to do sometimes, but on a little scale, it can be something really small. So um, here's an example. I'll do a little disclosure here, but um, about seven years ago, I was a, a wide-eyed young bride sitting at the airport waiting to get on the plane for our honeymoon. And my husband and I are chatting, and we're talking about our favorite movies. 
And so my husband says that his all-time favorite movie is American Beauty. Has anybody here seen American Beauty? Do you even, have you even heard of it? Because it was, I guess, a long time ago now. I'm feeling really old. All right, well, no need to rush out and get it, okay? But uh, at the time, it won a lot of awards and it was a big movie, but it had some pretty interesting controversial content in it, and I was sitting there. So, of course, this leads to an argument of, I can't believe you'd like American Beauty. It's disgusting. What's wrong with you? And my husband saying, well, I love it, and you're not going to change my mind. And then me sitting there silently, you know, fuming at the airport, thinking to myself, Oh my gosh, I just married this man. How could I have married a man who liked American Beauty? We're going to spend the rest of our lives together. I've just made the biggest mistake ever. You know, I'm ridiculous, ridiculous thinking. Of course, you know, in, in our years together, we found much more substantial things to disagree about than that. But, but working through, sometimes it can be something really little in a relationship that rugs out the wrong way. I tried to talk him out of liking something that he liked because I felt uncomfortable, and I think we do that a lot in relationships. I'm not comfortable with your opinions, and I'm gonna try really hard to turn you into a little me, and then I'll feel really comfortable with you. And that's not fair. It's disrespecting another person's freedom. It's disrespecting another person's boundary. So part of relationships is learning to respect that. You know what? It's okay that you don't think the same way that I do. Okay, when we talk about differences though, there is a reality that sometimes our differences can be a lot more significant than just not liking the same movie. And they can be so significant that they cause us to go different directions and for the relationship not to continue anymore. That can be friendships, that can be dating. Um, even sometimes rifts in family can cause those relationships to not be as close as they once were. So we're gonna take a minute and talk about rejection. And I have a clip. like me. Doesn't like you? How could anyone not like you? <laughs> okay. In, in case you're wondering, not all of my relationship knowledge comes from Seinfeld, but it is a great show. Okay. We're talking about a tough topic, and that's rejection. Now, I think that most of us are pretty much okay or have come to grips with the reality that not everybody's going to like us. Okay. The really painful thing about rejection is it's usually somebody that we did want to like us, somebody we respected or somebody we really liked, and they're choosing to not keep us in their lives, and that, that's really painful. I like to, I'm going to throw out there, I want to think of rejection in a new way this morning and think of it as a hidden blessing, which it might not feel like at the time and could be annoying to hear if you're hurting right now. However, I do think this is true. Um, I think that rejection is something that we need to learn from. So for starters, okay, we need to look at our relationships and ask ourselves, well, did I do something that might have led this relationship to end? Did I text that person all the time? Was I clingy? Was I demanding? Did I lose my temper? Did I say something I shouldn't have? Did I disclose too much too soon and the relationship wasn't ready for it? What did I do? Did I do something? Okay, so you take it and you learn from it. But 
The second piece of that is what we knew before. Not everybody's going to like us, and that's okay. Up there about where it says relationship is your friend and it's your protector. Or, I'm sorry, hidden rejection is your friend and your protector. And we don't always think of it that way. But if someone's rejecting us, then that's really good because that means they're freeing us to on down the road be with people who want to be with us. And why would we be spending so much of our time with someone who doesn't really want to be there? There are millions, millions, millions of people in the world. And you only have time in your life for a very small number. So that means you're going to have to say no to a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to have to say no to you, purely based on time management alone. So rejection is part of that process. It's also respecting freedom. We talked about freedom back a couple minutes ago. In our relationships, we always need to have the freedom to say yes to other people, and we need to have the freedom to say no. And that means we need to give the other people in our lives the freedom to say yes and no to us. That's really painful because it means they might say no, and that's scary. But it's respecting that boundary that says, I can't make you stay, and I don't want to be forced to stay if I'm not supposed to be here either. Um, I don't really think that would make anybody feel better if you're feeling rejected this morning. However, I do think it's helpful to maybe perceive it in a little bit different way. Um, the, the last thing I want to mention about this is not all relationships are meant to last your whole life. Now, that's, that's hard because I like to think the people that I'm really close to now, I'm going to be close to forever but I've lived long enough to know that those relationships ebb and flow and ebb and flow. There are people that you are best friends with today that in 10 years you might have completely lost contact with. I know, that's kind of depressing. I'm sorry. But, but it is. It's the way it is. There are, you can date someone for three years and they can break up with you and you could have been in love and then you never see them again. I, I think that's strange. How can we be so close? And then nothing, nothing at all. Um, does that make those relationships less meaningful because sometimes we can tell ourselves that when a relationship ends or when it drifts well what was that for well because that relationship it had a purpose and it served its time and it ran its course not all relationships are meant to last our whole lives they are what they are and that's okay sometimes we can drag things out longer than they should be when we need to let go and that's okay um, so that's, that's a word on rejection. Okay. All right, so here we go. Relationship killers. Okay, so we're going to talk for a minute about some things that sometimes we do that can make our relationships not run very smoothly. All right, here we go. Let's look at the top one on the list, gossip. That's a good one. Um, gossip, think about it. Think about a time when you trusted someone with a piece of information and then they shared that with someone else in confidence and then that got shared with someone else in confidence and the next thing you knew, everybody knew. Or think about a time when you did something that might have upset someone 
And instead of them coming to you, they went to someone else for advice or to talk about it. And then they talk to somebody else. And next thing you know, five, ten other people know what you did and why they're upset. And no one has talked to you at all. And think about, I don't know if anybody, maybe none of you have ever had that happen before. I, I don't know, but I have, and I think I'm pretty ordinary, so most people probably have experienced it. But it's, it's a terrible feeling. It's very hurtful. I think there are few things to relationships as destructive as gossip. It erodes trust. It hurts people. Um, when we, I, I want to backtrack this when we talked about being assertive and being honest with each other. A lot of times we mask our gossip by saying, um, well, I don't want to tell them because I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, I don't know about you, but I can say, yeah, it might hurt my feelings, but it's going to hurt them a lot more if I find out that you told everybody else. I'd much rather that you came and you told me. I think when people say that, I think when we do, because I've done it before, I think when we say that, what we're really saying is, I didn't want to make myself uncomfortable by being honest with you, and I was a lot more comfortable talking to somebody else. So this morning, I want to challenge you to be people of honesty and to reflect on times, maybe, when you've fallen into the ease of gossip, because it is more easy and it is more comfortable, and to think about that and to consider how you would want other people to treat you and then to treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. Okay, second one on the list. Here's a slide. We're going to touch on comparison. And I really liked that quote. Um, because ultimately, when we compare ourselves to anyone and think that we're better, we're devaluing them. <clears throat> Comparison's really common. You can argue whether it's healthy or not. I mean, you probably know where you stand academically, where your class standings are, your grades, you know. We compare ourselves in a lot of different ways. You know who the fastest runners are, you know who the best basketball players are. We do comparison all the time. Um, a lot of us fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to other people. And I've generally found that a lot of times we tend to be on the right, the deval or sorry, the left, the devaluing me. Well, and girls especially, well, she has better hair, she has better feet, she has better nails. Um, the list is long of the ways that we devalue ourselves because, and, and we create this collective woman, you know, like we take bits and pieces from like 30 different girls and create this perfect woman and now I fail, you know, because I'm not all of those things, even though no one else is either. Um, but we can we can really sell ourselves short by comparing ourselves to other people. So then what people do, because, well, I'm feeling really bad about me because I just compared myself to others and I'm feeling low, is we find someone else who's worse than us and compare ourselves to them, and whew, now I feel better. Yeah, because I just found somebody who's down there, and at least I'm not down there. And, and so now we're putting someone else down in our heads to make ourselves feel better. Well, when I say this, of course, it makes sense, you know, but we, but we do it. So I want you to be aware of it and to, and to be mindful. You know, when, 
when, like your age, I can remember we compared ourselves to each other. And then when people couple and get married, they compare themselves to other married couples. Like, we're the most in love out of everybody. We have the most fun, you know, and start comparing themselves that way. And then people have kids, and then they start comparing their children against each other. I don't know if any of your parents were competitive or anything, but some of you might have experienced that. Um, and it creates this really ugly perpetuating cycle of devaluing others and devaluing ourselves. And, and what I'd love to challenge you to think about this morning is to be people who aren't looking at other people or yourselves that way. Because there is no devaluing others and there is no devaluing you. You are all loved. You are all valuable. You could not be more valuable than you are. Um, and to think about life that way. Okay. Okay, these all fell under the category of fear. Um, I, whenever I see controlling and jealous behavior, I always think of it as being very fear-driven. And in case you're thinking that jealousy is only... Um, okay, I'm sorry. I can't make out the numbers. How much time do I have? Can anybody read those numbers? All right, I'll wrap this up. Give me three, okay. Because I know you were all hanging on the edges of your seats to find out about this. Um, okay, jealousy, it's not just a couple problem. It happens in friendships too. I don't know if you've ever encountered this, but you have a best friend, you do everything together, and then your best friend becomes friends with another person. And next thing you know, you don't have someone to eat lunch with every day, or I don't know, you know, it, we can start to feel kind of jealous, like, well, you're my friend. You're not supposed to go and be friends with other people. Um, controlling behavior, you know, well, I'm scared. I'm scared of what's going to happen if I set you free. You know, these behaviors are very self-protective, but they're relationship killers. Um, so just throwing them out there for you to be aware of and think about how those might hurt your relationships. Um, I just want to say this. The good, being aware of your jealousy or your feelings, whatever they might be that are negative. It's healthy, it's normal to have them, but don't let them control you and don't act out in a way to try to control someone else to make yourself feel better. Um, we sit with it, we work through it, and here's the big thing. Time teaches us we don't need to be afraid. There is no substitute for time. Um, controlling another person to resolve our own uncomfortable feelings and feel better, violates a boundary, disrespects their freedom, making them feel bad because we feel bad, so now they feel bad, haha. -ha. Well, that's emotional manipulation. It's being a bully, and it's really bad. So we don't want to do that. Okay, so I'm going to wrap this up. Um, we talked about a few different things, and here's the big picture I want you to think about. We're being people who are loving, people who are patient, people who are honest, respectfully, people who respect other people's freedoms, people who stand up for our boundaries and acknowledge other people's boundaries. Um, all right. I, I personally believe strong relationships are the natural result of a life that's at peace, a heart that's full of joy, a person who's kind, forgiving, and compassionate. Wouldn't it be cool if here at Goshen College we were a student body who loved fearlessly, who respected our own and personal, others' personal freedom, communicated with honesty and integrity if we were patient with ourselves and one another? 
if we lived in a spirit of forgiveness, if we were free of anger, jealousy, comparison, gossip, and security? What kind of a community would that look like if we lived like those people? So think about this morning what you need to work on. At the end of each of the rows, there are questions. Do you see them? Anyone? I'd like everyone to take a paper with them and continue discussion and see what you come up with. Thanks for coming.